0: Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 281. Today we're talking about how to deal with a micromanaging boss. I recently heard from a bossed up listener who was dealing with a problem like this. And here's what she wrote in to the podcast: Quote: I'm a senior member of the leadership team at a nonprofit, but my boss treats me like a manager at best. I have very little leeway to do anything without her approval, including sending emails, scheduling meetings, and making decisions related to my team. I'm often stuck waiting for her approval or don't have a chance to run big strategic things by her because she's so busy and bogged down in the details. She's been super critical of me in the past, and while I know I've made mistakes, I don't think her critical response has been warranted. The punishment hasn't fit the crime. My performance review is finally coming up, and I'm feeling a little on the defensive already. How can I communicate professionally to a micromanaging boss that the biggest barrier to doing my job well is her? Whew. Wow. First of all, Paz, I am so sorry that this is happening to you. It sounds like a total nightmare, and I'm sorry that you've got to deal with this. I mean, you can't even send emails. Without our approval, that is a pretty intense level of scrutiny and micromanagement. And it actually makes me think of my friend, therapist Lena Durhali, who would tell me about folks who come into her office in her DC area therapy practice with PTSD symptoms after having to work with a toxic boss, something we discussed collectively on episode 20 of the Bossed Up podcast, Surviving a Toxic Workplace. And hearing your story, I can totally see why this happens. So in today's podcast, I want to share a few different perspectives with you and some practical strategies for how to consider really handling this. But before I begin, I just want you to remember that you, listener, know your boss better than I do. So only you can decide exactly how to move forward. And furthermore, only you know your own risk tolerance. So if you've got six months of savings in the bank, quit. (laughs) Figure it out tomorrow. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, you've got to be able to be delicate to protect yourself. And that's totally uh, understood and totally important. So this, dear listener, is a reminder of the importance of having a fuck off fund, which gives you the freedom to take bigger risks and not put up with bullshit like this. Woo! Dropping swears already. Here we go. So let's jump in first to why do people micromanage in the first place? The underlying problem behind micromanagement is almost always anxiety and stress. Odds are your boss is projecting her stress onto you in the form of grasping for a sense of control. According to Jenny Chapman in the Harvard Business Review, who's a professor of management at the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley, she wrote, quote, micromanagers are obsessed with control. You know you're working with one if he or she gets involved in a level of detail that's way below his or her pay grade, end quote. And this overbearing form of asserting control can also stem from a lack of emotional management, which Dr. Mark Brackett, founder and director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, discusses at length in his book, Permission to Feel. And in our conversation on episode 268 of the Bossed Up podcast, I would venture to guess that he'd argue that these kinds of micromanaging leaders are just reverting to a controlling strategy by default without really thinking through whether it's helping to achieve their ultimate goals. One of Dr. Mark Brackett's emotional management tools that can help is called the meta moment. And he writes, quote, We call it meta because it's a moment about a moment. It might mean mentally counting as in one, two, three, or one to ten, depending on the severity of the emotion, Taking one or several deep breaths may also be a part of it. Anything to give ourselves room to maneuver and deactivate. So if your boss is just kind of stressed out and reverting to micromanaging behaviors, they might not be giving themselves a beat, a moment to really pause and think about how can I act in a way that's going to set myself and my team up for success. Now, beyond stress and anxiety or just poor emotional management, micromanaging can also be a byproduct of poor communication with your boss and low trust between you and your boss. So if your boss is breathing down your back, it may be a sign that they just don't know how else to be kept in the loop. So why is micromanaging so bad? Well, we all know it's terrible from the employee perspective. It's demoralizing. You feel stuck doing like piecemeal work instead of having full agency over an entire project or a whole piece of work, which is really important for fulfillment. Nobody, nobody's very satisfied in the Ford factory line, right? Like the compartmentalization of work was very dehumanizing uh, back at the turn of the last century. So being stuck doing piecemeal work is going to be frustrating. You might feel like you're not trusted to make decisions with impact or like your creative input is unwelcome. And it's especially damaging for the person on the receiving end of micromanagement because long-term micromanaging can have lasting psychological consequences. It can actually begin to chip away at your own sense of self and your own capacity, your own belief in your ability to do things. I've worked with career transitioners who are leaving toxic workplaces and the negative feedback or really insulting and damaging behaviors of their former boss is still stuck in their head and chipping away at their confidence for years to come. And that that's damaging. But what's rarely discussed in this conversation is how damaging micromanaging is to the boss themselves as well. Delegating to and empowering others is what expands your actual leadership capacity. That's part of being a great boss. So can you imagine like delegating tasks or projects to people and then having to essentially do them yourself on top of everything else you have to do and breathing down their back and constantly being involved? Like what a stress-inducing, time-limiting, isolating way to lead, not to mention not very strategic way to lead and not a very strategic use of your time. You must feel like you're in it all alone and have no belief in others' willingness to help or ability to do so well. That sounds pretty awful, too. And frankly, it sounds like this is a boss who simply needs to work on her leadership and management development, like via Bossed Up's Level Up Leadership Accelerator, our six-month program that includes training on time management, people management and delegation, among many other things, emotional intelligence, and lots of other important topics for leaders. All right. So we've broken down why micromanagement might be happening and why it's so bad. So how can you stop being micromanaged? I've got five quick tips for you here. One, First and foremost, got to say this up front, whatever you do, do not say the word micromanager to a micromanager. Seriously, it will not help your cause. So whether you approach your boss at your review or not, just don't say micromanager, micromanager. Don't write it in any written review or communications to describe their behavior or them. If you get defensive or if you accuse them of this behavior, you label them this way, it's going to backfire. So it's kind of like the word mentor. I'm not a big fan of using it with your mentor. Like, hey, will you be my mentor? Makes a mentorship relationship that was already going well awkward. So don't say it. (laughs) It's not going to help your cause. Instead, try to get at your boss's underlying anxiety. So if they're dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety, ask them about it. What's the underlying cause? How can you help alleviate it? Approach this with an observational comment like, I noticed on Friday when you said you had to work until 7 p.m. that you've got way too much on your plate. What's got you feeling overwhelmed and how can I help? If the underlying reason behind their micromanagement is stress and anxiety, it's in your best interest for them to get a handle on their stress and anxiety. However, keep in mind that no matter how much emotional intelligence and psychological safety you try to Create for this conversation, you can't really force them to level with you. You can't force them to be vulnerable with you. You can create a non judgmental space for them to choose to be brave and to share what they're going through, but it's kind of like being assertive with someone who's being passive aggressive. Like there's nothing I can say or do, no matter how perfectly I execute on my aspirational leadership qualities. At the end of the day, that person has to meet you halfway. So attempt. Make space. Be non-judgmental about creating that safe space for them. But if they're not going to level with you, it's sort of, you know, give yourself a break. It is something that they have to do as well. They have to be ready to level with you. Number three, get clear on their hopes, fears, and priorities. This is important. I've shared this before and I'll share it again. One of the best things you can ask your manager is, how can I align my priorities with yours? What this does is it gives your boss the opportunity to really think critically about where they need your help most right now. It's a way of catering to their sense of urgency. And similarly, you'll want to get a sense of what their aspirations are, their hopes, as well as their biggest fears. Not that they're always going to level with you on that either, but how can you support them in the face of those fears? Who are they reporting to How can you help them look good in front of their boss? What are they hoping to achieve ultimately? You know, consider their fears as much as their hopes. Because sometimes if you realize, oh, they've got a really intense board meeting next week that they're stressed out about, you can realign your priorities to help alleviate any initial temporary but intense stress they might be experiencing on that front. Step four, establish clear communication expectations. Remember, Part of the underlying cause behind micromanagement is a need for control. So one way you can directly play into your boss's desire for control while still getting them off your back is to keep them in the know. CC them on important emails that you know they're going to want to monitor. Send an end-of-day or end-of-week update via email with a catalog of all the progress you made and a list of any outstanding items that you're waiting on them for. Taking initiative in this way is not annoying. I don't know why some people think that. They're like, ooh, I don't want to bother them. It's it's not a bother. It's convenient, right? You're making their life easier by being proactive about communication. It's a total boss move. It's a leadership move at any stage and any age. Now, of course, you don't have to come up with these communication protocols in isolation. Talk about how you want to talk. Discuss what communication practices work best for you. Revisit the topic regularly and adjust as needed. If you keep them in the know regularly, they won't feel the need to constantly insert themselves and peer over your shoulder. So finally here, number five, do everything you can to earn their trust. Micromanagers are anxious and stressed in part because they just don't trust you to get the job done as well as they would. Put your bruised ego aside for a moment because I know how insulting that can sound, but it's true. They might not trust you to do exactly what they would do, and none of us are mind readers, so of course you can't just like immediately understand what exactly they would do in every situation, but putting your bruised ego aside, focus on doing everything in your power to earn their trust anyway. How can you inspire their confidence in you, right? Author Brene Brown uses a great marble jar metaphor to talk about trust. She says that every action someone takes showing you that they respect you, they care for you, that they'll be a confidant, that they'll respect your boundaries, that they'll, you know, keep things between you and them that should be kept between you and them they earn a little marble in your trust jar. And it takes time to fill that jar up all the way and build a fully trusting relationship. But every time someone does you wrong, every time there's a lie or a backstabbing moment or a moment of dishonesty, a lack of integrity, that marble jar empties out completely and you've got a long ways to go to start over. So a big part of how you'll build trust with a micromanaging boss is through consistent honesty and integrity. It's going to look like you're trying to cover it up or you know sweep it under the rug, which just makes it all so much worse. Even if you are trying to figure it out on your own or just delay telling them about it, you got to deal with things like that openly and position yourself and your boss on the same side of the team Tackling the problem together, not on opposite sides of the table with a problem between you, but rather if something's going wrong at work, put yourself and your boss on the same side of the table and put the problem before you. It takes a lot of hard work and consistency and candor to build trust with pretty much anyone, but especially someone who anxiously clings on to a sense of control. So talk about trust, talk about it openly, and consider trust building with your boss part of your job. All righty, boss. Now I want to hear from you. How would you deal or how have you dealt with a micromanager at work? Share this episode on social media with your thoughts or weigh in via the Courage community on Facebook, which is always the best place to continue the conversation after listening to the Boss Up podcast. And... If you're looking for more resources on leadership and management, join my upcoming free online training, What Women Managers Need to Lead. It's a great hour-long conversation that we are bringing back in a big way by popular demand to help us understand the difference between management and leadership so that we can all be the best bosses we can be and not be micromanagers whose employees write into a podcast about us. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, as always, for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. It makes a huge difference in helping others discover the show. And I love creating episodes like this based off of your questions. So never hesitate to reach out via the Bossed Up podcast hotline, 910-668-BOSS, or 2677, or at info at In the meantime, let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.